Hi everyone, today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by screenwriter and director Meg Swartlow. Meg's an LA born and raised artist, and today she shares her passion for creating female-driven stories. In the past three years, Meg has directed eight short films, seven of which she wrote. Her horror short, The Voiceless, is part of the feature-length anthology, Give Me an A, a response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We also dive into the rewarding and very real challenges of indie filmmaking with Meg's recent proof of concept for No Overnight Parking, which stars and was produced by Alyssa Milano and French Stewart. Meg also shares the importance of consistently creating your own work, advocating for yourself, and saying yes when opportunity and hard work meet. We also have quite a few laughs along the way. Now, let's get to the conversation. Hey Meg, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame to dive in, if you wouldn't mind, just sharing your creative process and your journey into both directing and screenwriting, please. Yeah, I mean, um, thank you for having me. Uh, I love talking about um, directing and screenwriting. Um, It is my passion. (laughs) Yeah, I'm from Los Angeles and I was raised around entertainment Uh, mostly entertainment news. My parents are both entertainment journalists. I often went with her on sets and the, you know, the television was the talk of the table and that's kind of what we talked about. I shouldn't have been watching the uh, Twin Peaks when I was eight years old and yet I was. And so that's kind of what we watched every week as a family. And we watched pilots, all the pilots that would come out, we would watch them as a family and talk about them and so that's kind of it was all around me and I went to school in West Hollywood I went to elementary school in West Hollywood and childhood friend was a uh, a girl named Kelly Tartikoff and her dad was Brandon Tartikoff the head of Paramount at NBC and so just around all that but I wasn't of of all that um, but I was an observer Um, and so it's just kind of it's steeped in my DNA to be thinking about stories and how to tell stories on a screen. And so I went to college and studied theater. And when I came back to Los Angeles, after college, I got into the improv scene and I started performing all the time. And then I got into stand up and started storytelling from there and took some stand up sets and turned it into a one woman show. The Irresponsible Girl's Guide to Having It All. And then I made The Irresponsible Girl's Guide to Dating and went on a date with anyone who asked me for a year. And then I turned that into my first screenplay and my first pilot. And I then got into USC Film School's summer program and worked on the the screenplay of that. Um, And kind of, I started doing well in either competitions or fellowships for my first script. And uh, meanwhile, I was working at E! News and I was working at Entertainment Tonight uh, and uh, a photo licensing agency, which uh, you would know by the other term, the paparazzi. Uh, And so I worked at all those places while writing uh, scripts at night. And in 2018, I left uh, E! News and I just focused on screenwriting. And then I started going to film festivals with my scripts. Um, and I always encourage screenwriters to go to the film festivals with their scripts because um, a lot of people don't be- because they're not playing anything. But I started meeting people and meeting people in different 
uh, at different film festivals. And then they would have, some of them would have their own film festivals, like a horror film festival. Um, and uh, like my comedy pilot, I met a man named Jason Tostevin, who runs a Nightmares Film Festival um, in Ohio. And it's a horror film festival. And I chatted with him and he, uh, I mentioned I had a five, five pages of a script. He said, finish that script and submit it and send it. And then I, and that is no overnight parking actually, which is um, the, which I did the proof of concept for that Alyssa Milano ended up starring in. Um, it's just premiered the Fantaspoa Film Festival, the largest film festival in Latin America. Like I think 10,000 people came. Um, and so I kind of just delved into into the horror genre and directing directing the horror genre um and I kind of haven't turned turned back and I'm sometimes I'm like am I like am I not good at this at all like because I've definitely made a, a, a lot of mistakes but I keep thinking well I think the universe is putting me on this path that I've certainly the past three years like have moved I would say quickly on and yeah. so I'm like I guess I guess I'm not I'm being led down this path and I have to just trust that like, this is, this is the right path for me. Yeah. Okay. So many questions there, but I love that you, you did the, the scary thing, which mm -hmm. us actors, everybody's terrified of improv. You've already done that, which I've, I think it makes such a difference when directors have been on the other side and that the way that they communicate back and forth on set and that strengthens that trust and relationship between actor and director on set. But I, I would kick myself if I didn't ask about the year of saying yes to dates because yes, that does not sound, well, I take that back. I started to say that doesn't sound like horror, but it, it was, it definitely, <laughs> I didn't date actually for two years after it. I decided I was like, I need like, I need to work on myself because a, a honestly, I, I really doing, going on dates for comedy is actually like a very selfish thing and I didn't realize it at the time I thought it was a, like pretty funny and and I kind of changed my priorities and started looking at myself and being like you know what that it wasn't totally fair to other people probably it was fun and jokey and um I don't feel like I you know I, I I learned a lot about myself and what to do and what not to do and who I wanted to date and who I didn't want to date and um yeah, but I needed a break. And so I kind of just worked on myself for, for a while. I mean, also like dating is a nightmare. People have crazy profiles. The shit people message women they don't know is a wild. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. uh, it, it'll make you a little afraid to go into the water for a while. Some of them will say things you're just like, you know, uh, I'm out. I'm I just, know. I just need to recover from that and just regain my breath. Because I had people like from Boston. I remember I had a guy from Boston message me and like, and and his grammar was really bad, so that bothered me. But he like messaged me to tell me like I would be hot if I didn't have glasses, and I was like, why did you do a cross country uh, insults of me? I love the ones that like that like negging is going to get a positive response. It's like catcalling and negging are never going to get the. Yeah response nor the person that you actually would want yeah. I was like anyway bye <laughs> you have, have a great, great day <laughs> Merry Christmas happy Hanukkah <laughs>
Well, like, so yeah. no wonder I didn't date for two years. <laughs> I I mean, I'm I'm proud of you for coming back after two. You know, I, I married the first person I dated, so um, <laughs> I did. Yeah. And how long into your relationship before you told him your your process prior? He knew about it before we started dating, so that's really on him. Yeah, so that's on him. He knew we we were friends for a while, and so and okay. he dating, and I made him wait nineteen months for a first date. So right I did. I decided to do things differently. So that that's awesome. Yeah, the apps. I don't feel like normally have a happy fairy tale like trajectory at least not for me so I mean god bless other people and and a lot of people I know have that um have had had a lot of success but I I didn't and um yeah but I did write a bunch of scripts about it so thank you for entertaining my this curiosity I I find people in dating just always fascinating especially Mm -hmm. in the the bubble which is Los Angeles. Yes. One of one of the many reasons that I wanted to talk to you was your sense of community mm-hmm. and the mentorship programs that you've gotten plugged in with and the festivals and mm-hmm. so many of those things layer in because independent filmmaking is its own beast and the financial element and, and weight that comes with that. Yeah. But I was really curious for you as a, a young female director and screenwriter how you navigated and chose which fellowships to submit to and how did you find the ones that were um and this can be like festivals fellowships mentorship programs shadowing um because I know you were part of the Ryan Murphy one so a lot of it is like I just applied to them all um like it I mean I've applied to many 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 fellowships and mentorships um and I've gotten rejected from more than I've gotten accepted to, which I've gotten accepted to a lot. So hopefully that tells you, like, I've just applied to so many. So many so that, like, I, so I won the International Screenwriters Association, ISA's grand prize of their shoot, it was shoot your sizzle. Um, and when I got the email uh, that said, like, you're the winner, $40,000 in prizes, $5,000, I actually didn't remember uh, submitting to it. And I just wrote back, I'm sorry, is this real? And they're like, yes. Um, because I applied to so many, I'm like, yes, submit, submit, submit. And so that was exciting. And um, they are the people who produced the the Proof of Concept short film of, of No Overnight Parking. And I you know, talked to Felicity Red of ISA today because we're dealing with the music rights um, uh, of the of the proof of concept. Um, and that like, so some of it's just like, I just apply, but also I tried to apply to ones that had good reputations. I think that there are so many film festivals that are, you know, it's like the Cannes international film festival where I'm like that, just so you know, that's not Cannes. Um, that is like a fake thing and don't submit to it. Uh, just a lot of things that it's like buyer beware. Uh, there's so much on film freeway that is buyer beware. Much on film freeway. And also I'm like, oh, this is only $7, but it adds up. And so I've been guilty of just submitting to things and like winning best short in some Italian film festival, whatever. Uh, but you got your laurels? Like, hey. <laughs> I love a laurel. Um, but for... But I know like the reputable ones, like Coverfly, and like uh, one of my pilots was like top fifteen Coverfly uh, for their TV, their TV competition, and that like at a five thousand, and so that's 
I know if I do well in that one, um, uh, like that it hopefully says something about my writing, but also I've gotten rejected from screen craft ones and I didn't even get into the, the first, I didn't even get to like the neck, the, uh, preliminary round or whatever of, of something in screen craft with the script that had been top 50. So that's the thing to know is like they, like in the Austin film festival, didn't get in the second round with also a script that, you know, got me, got me a manager. So I just apply to a lot of stuff because yeah. I have like, I'm hyper-focused, uh, in regards to in regards to kind of my career and have that hustle but so for I would say the the Brian Murphy half initiative so I think my confidence also helps not to say that I think I'm so great I'm like what am I doing with myself but I think you open you go to the doors and you knock on them and you open them and you knock again so for the Ryan Murphy half initiative I had shot one short film it cost $60 for pizza to make that short film it i Finished it on like a Tuesday. I submitted to the Ryan Murphy Half Initiative. A few days later, I'd done no other short films. Um, and I got into the finals of that. And that was like, hey, can you come to Paramount tomorrow? And I was like, what? Uh, so I got into the finals of that in in, in 2000, uh, in February of 2000. So um, I got into that. I And then I never got, uh, no, I didn't get into that. I got into the finals. I never got placed. And, but I kept up with the people at the half initiative because I did all these short films. And I said, I would say like, okay, I, I did this short film. I did that short film. I did this short film. And, um, and so I applied again. I, I applied maybe two more times or I played the second time and, you know, I didn't hear anything. And so I followed up and I said, you know, I actually just shot this uh, short film with Alyssa Milano. Here it is. And then I also wrote, Oh, I, I did this um, project of, uh, reaction to Roe v. Wade called The Voiceless and that's some a project called Give Me an A and here's the deadline article and here's the short and and kind of actually once I had that project I got um I got immediately uh asked to do a sec uh, another interview for this for the 2023 round 2022 round um mm-hmm. I don't know what year it is right now so I got <laughs> that and then and then it was like can you schedule uh an uh an interview with sherry page at the half initiative and you know she what was cool is she saw what i had done in the past three years and and said like i really want i really want you to do this program um and then i had to be like well you can't see that i'm seven and a half months pregnant <laughs> because we're on zoom but, and she just said, look, you have two options is you wait a while or you do it immediately. And she said, my feeling for you is that you should probably do it immediately. And I was like, oh my God, what? And I, I'm just, as I said, like, I just kind of like, if, if it presents in front of me, I think I should do it. And not to say that I have to say yes to everything. Um, but this is, this is one of those things I felt like I had to say yes to. And so I started doing it at eight months pregnant and then, um, and then some dates got pushed. So I, um, <laughs> the, the final big day, they were like, is November 15th. I'm like, I am scheduled for a C-section November 17th. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to fucking do it. Uh, and I did it. And I was there for 15 hours on November 15th. And I it was a huge day of shooting in Pomona and my husband 
drove me to set and in case I went into labor and sat at a cafe because he couldn't be on the Pomona campus because of COVID restrictions. And he waited for me all day and, uh, and I did it. And then I had a baby like 40 hours later. It was pretty wild. And I remember like waddling because I had gained 50 pounds. I'm like a very petite person. I gained 50 pounds. And I was like waddling over to like try to get water. And like there was a PA. It was very nice. But I was like, where's the water? Like hoping he'd be like, I'll go get it. And he's like, over there. It was like so, 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 so far. And I was like, I'm just like, yeah. Um, but I got that water and I stayed the whole time. So, uh, yeah. And, um, which kind of shows me that like, if I put my mind to something, I can do it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty amazing experience to be able to see, see a show from start to finish to, to go on the location, um, scouts and go on and more location scouts and more location scouts. And, for that show, be shooting while in prep. Um, and I got to shadow a few, a few different directors because they do block shooting. So, so sometimes it's like half a day is one episode and half a day is another episode. Um, and so I got to just see some other people and I got to shadow a man named Michael Medico, who is a wonderful, kind, friendly, energetic director. And that was really, really uh, wonderful to see. And and then it turns out that his rep, because I just got uh, repped by Echo Lake Entertainment, and his rep is now my rep. Um, and it just it's like a small world thing. But I also think like keeping those um, connections positive so that, you know, he could say something to her. Uh, I got recommended by someone else, but he could say like, oh, like, Meg is great. Or, you know, hopefully say those <laughs> things but so that was kind of um I felt like a game changer for me and to be able to say you know that I did that when I did that there's there's no replacing being good people while simultaneously doing good work and I'm sure in other businesses but in our business especially I don't I don't think there's any substitute for that And, and just like the example you gave even after being an original finalist before getting yeah. into the program, you consistently created and, and made your own work and built your community, invested into your art and your craft and built your skills and came back the next time at a different level and a different yeah. stage. And I think so often creatives get burnt out because of like all of that going out with no response. And that's not just for actors sending out. Yeah. Stuff. And it was like the big grievance, but directors everyone is in fact auditioning in their respective way to get a job before we go on what was your favorite stage of production in the shadowing of that that episode or episodes um I would say watching the huge explosions was pretty badass <laughs> like you know, I'm like a hundred yards away and you can feel the like there was like a huge explosion um a multiple part explosion was pretty amazing to see. I mean, that's not my $60 short film does, does not have that. Um, so it was really cool to see, you know, so many people, um, work so hard and I have not seen 
two cameras at a time or three cameras at a time. And it was really interesting to try to figure out, you know, where a camera should go um, and the different coverage and kind of how, how you can shoot much quicker with that. So, you know, that was a, a, a different experience, but like the whole thing was like, it, it was so exciting to me. So. I mean, you, you light up like it's a dream realized just talking about the memories of it. It's just, it's amazing just to like hear the story because it it is, it's, I think sometimes, you know, you work in the arts for such a long period of time with a blind belief that it's going to happen. Yeah. Sometimes you find yourself there and it's, it's so almost numbingly surreal to be in that environment with all of these other people that bet on themselves for so long of blind faith that it's going to work out. And then all of a sudden you're there and you're making cool shit for people to watch. And it's, it's why we all continue to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it absolutely. I mean, when I was working with Alyssa Milano on the proof of concept, uh, it was just like, I, that morning I get, you know, I'm the first person there and I like, like do a dance to get myself pumped up. And I, I pray and I kind of just get get focused and it was just like I can't believe that Alyssa Milano is doing my short film like I can't believe this thing that I've been working on for so honestly so many years is happening um and then you just have to like be right-sized about it and just like be able to to direct uh, a person who's you know, knows what they're doing a lot more than you do to, to be perfectly honest and just kind of trust also that you're there for a reason and that this person wanted to do your project for a reason. But yeah, it's pretty surreal to be like, Oh, that, that's like definitely less mono. <laughs> that's her right yeah. there. Um, okay. Let's talk about no overnight parking. Because yeah. Thank you by the way for sharing it. I know it's not out yet to everyone. Maybe by the time that this airs, it's already doing really, really well with festivals. Back to the beginning, where did the story and the idea come from? And then I'd love to dive into because that's a big part of indie filmmaking is that financial responsibility and element that you have on your shoulders as a creative to also be business and the difference that it makes to have someone like Alyssa come on to your short, I'm sure makes a huge difference. So mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about that as like part B of the conversation. The idea developed in 2017. So it's been a super long time. Um, and it's because my friend and I were uh, at the Rite Aid at Larchmont and we parked on a Sunday and we didn't see that there was this sign that says like, gate closes at 6 p.m. or something like that and it's like I have photos of it the sign is like falling apart and so we go in there and we're like chatting about boys or something like that and we're eating ice cream and then as we I drive out I realized they, they locked me in uh unbeknownst to me and so I called and they were like no nope, we we're not opening the gate I was like are you kidding me uh like you can't you can't see the sign like the, the security guard like locked us in while we were in the parking garage um and so I had only written comedy before and I started to think like, what if there had been a killer? I always go to the worst case scenario. Um, and uh, I just started thinking like, oh, well, why can't I do a horror? Uh, a, a slasher scream is one of my favorite movies of all time. And um, I was like, well, why can't I do a horror movie with women trapped in a parking garage uh, and trying to 
out hide essentially a masked killer um and so I started writing it and I and I really was also inspired by I've been in an emotionally abusive relationship uh over a decade ago and it's something that if you haven't been in anything like that it's hard to explain to people like why you're in it um and I mentor women who are still who have more recently been in things like that and you know some of them do go back and it's a a pretty vicious cycle um where people kind of choose to go back uh and for me like being trapped in the parking garage felt like being trapped in this relationship where I kept choosing to go back to this person um and so I wanted to say something about that you can break free of these kinds of relationships that I broke free um, and that the characters or character could also, could also get out. For me, it's, I wanted to make something where uh, with the thesis statement, I guess, of like that you, you can get out. So that's part of the, the reason, the the bigger picture reason of why I wrote this script. Um, But it's also, um, pretty fun and I like fun horror stuff so so yeah um and then I just got really into horror and got into the community I think you were talking about that we were talking about that earlier the, the horror community as I said like I went to a film festival and then I met all these people and then all those people started helping me with the shorts and you know if you go and you give especially in the horror community it's such an open welcome uh community that um and people want to be your friend and people want to see your work. And it's a really wonderful, I don't, I don't know if people wouldn't think that. Um, I found that the comedy community was much more insular, much um, darker and harsher than the horror community, which is just like so many wonderful, encouraging, supportive people. Um, so I kind of left, I guess, the comedy community where all my background was and and really delved into horror and I have no regrets about that I want to just applaud you for taking your personal experiences and honoring it in such a a beautiful but also a helpful to others way I I didn't know that about you when watching it this morning we're in a culture now where we watch so much we're exposed to so much and I started to actually watch it on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I switched it over to my laptop because I was oh. like this. It was, I can't honestly recommend it enough. The the lighting and the the shadows and the pacing and the editing and these just really nuanced, beautiful moments. You can tell there was just so much raw heart in it. And it's you don't get that on network TV. You don't get that on streaming. You get that from a smaller tight knit cast and crew that it's still staying so true to that original vision. But I mean, when she steps into the stairwell, I was, there was a few times where I was just like, and, and in the best way possible and so many unexpected twists and turns and, I, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine what it's like for a male to watch it, but as a woman, there were yeah. so many things that were so clearly written by a woman. Yeah. There were so many moments where you were like, I can remember a time when that happened. I can mm-hmm. remember that feeling of loss of control and how 
like it, it, it elevates that fear factor and the, the heightened while watching it. So highly, highly recommend watching it, but it, it was so, so well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's my joke about it is like, if you haven't been scared in a parking garage, you're probably a dude because every, every woman I know is like parking garages are so fucking scary. They, they're very, very creepy. And it's so funny. Like I've been lost in a parking garage so many times since 2017. I'm always like, Meg, you wrote this. You cannot keep getting lost in a parking garage. You spent years with this concept. Mm-hmm. Remember where you parked. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the, the feature is actually the, the four women at the end, like the feature is about them. Um, and you know, their journeys. Uh, and yeah, I wanted it to it, I watch a lot of short films. I watch a lot of movies and I often am like, this is such a dude, like a dude wrote this. Um, not obviously men can write great horror and great female horror characters, but it is, it is different for me. Like what I fear in a parking garage, what it means to me to be a woman in America, um, where speaking up can can get you killed. Um, uh, and I know that's not, uh, only, only women. Um, but that, that's my personal experience is, uh, you know, being, af- being afraid of, uh, of, of men and, s- and strangers and, and, you know, people you're in a relationship with. So, uh, I wanted to really highlight that. And it was just fun. I mean, Alyssa's just a really great actress. And so she did a lot of very fun things uh and it was just kind of and difficult things it's a difficult shoot there's stunts and um you know very high heels <laughs> very high heels um so how did she come into the cast how did that take shape uh, yeah um i had first had a different ending for it uh and I watched Pulp Fiction. And I was like, well, what if I change the ending for the the short? Um, and then I tried to get someone, a named person. And I talked to my directing mentor, Mary Lou Belli, and she said she knew someone um, uh, who was uh, a casting director. And I spoke to him and I wanted, I really wanted someone who had been uh, a, an advocate for women and, um, and I said, like, you know, I'd love to get Alyssa Milano uh, because of the Me Too movement and she's a badass actress. And he's like, well, I actually cast her insatiable. And I've known, you know, I've known her for a really long time. And I know her manager, who's her husband, Dave. Uh, and so I wrote her a letter and just talked about, you know, my past experience and why I was making it and why, you know, she was my number one pick. And she kind of responded really uh almost immediately and um and said yeah let's do it uh the location my first location fell through like three days before the uh we were shooting uh we had a free location which you know nothing is ever free and they we didn't realize we didn't get the right people saying yes and finally the right people said oh well you can shoot a uh five minute cell phone video and I was like 
no. So we canceled the shoot. I was so scared Alyssa wasn't going to be able to do it again. I mean, it was like she did not to get into like specifics, but she did not do this for the money. Um, and I was like, she'll, she'll never be able to do it again. She's a busy schedule. She has children. And we rescheduled it for February. That was October of um, 2021. And we scheduled, rescheduled it for February of 2022. And then of course, COVID went insane. Like that was when it was like 40,000 people a day uh, up until then. And then about a week before the shoot, it was like started to drop a bit. But I was definitely like, until she was on my set, I thought it would not happen um, because of COVID and she has kids and um. Yeah. So I, that's really like the big thing that I say to people is like, I asked her and that's how I got her. And I think a lot of people don't, um, you know, I, I wanted to go big, wanted to go bold. And that's kind of, I think something in my personality, I hope that has helped me, you know, continue to go along this path is, is believing that I can get these people or these people to help me and that's why I feel like No Overnight Parking the feature which was just picked for Blumhouse and Cape Period Media's inaugural horror lab the feature um like I I believe this movie will get made and I think that's the belief that I just have to carry you know carry with me um Kevin Williamson was my mentor in in the Blumhouse lab and he you know, gave me two hours of notes. And at the end was just like, this movie has to get made. Um, I was like, that's right, Kev. <laughs> I wanted to quickly, because I saw We Make Movies and the special thanks. Yes. Aubrey is a past guest and I, I love We Make Movies. How did you? That was one of the, um, they we got our insurance through them because I, through ISA, they, oh. one of the, one of the wins or one of the prizes was, um, was, their insurance yeah so ISA that's the connection through ISA and there were some of the prizes we actually there were camera packages we ended up not using we we went to Panavision and got got their new filmmakers grant and we were able to um you know I I decided that I was going to get the best of the best if I could for no money and they were really kind and really um supportive and so Mike Carter at Panavision um is friends with my DP and so we we talked to him and he it was the same thing it was just kind of kind of a yes uh from the jump and I did want to say about uh no overnight parking and I think the reason why it is really successful is because I worked with someone I had gone to elementary mommy and me through high school with and I've known him since I was two and so that's about 30, it was like about 37 years at that time. And we, we've known each other basically our entire lives. And I think because of that, you know, I know how smart his name is Noah Rosenthal and I know how smart he is. And I believed in him and he believed in me and he's kind of just been trying to build, build me up from when I, when I came to him with this idea of doing this doing this proof of concept. And he's like, well, talk to me about it. And I hadn't been in contact with him for many years. And then I saw him at an event for my high school and was like, would you want to work on this? And he did. And he, he gave, he gave a lot. Um, and so I think because of that, and then we worked together on the voice list, which is, uh, the other short that I sent you, that's quite brutal. Um, 
and we worked together on that and kind of had this uh this trust that I think really 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 helped with these projects these daunting projects wanted to talk about your screenwriting process because not only are, is there a huge personal element, but it is also like you're mentioning about the Roe v. Wade and it's, it is very much on current topics. And I'm curious how you've started learning what are just the ideas that are passing through your mind and what are the ones that kind of like, no, I have to sit down. I have to beat this one up to see where it goes. I mean, cause there's different things with like screenwriting that I'm I, I know that I won't direct. I mean, that's how I started is I didn't think about di- directing, although I do feel like my writing, I was directing it unbeknownst to me um, the way I was, was writing it. It tends to be that with, with the projects that I create, it's that I've had a location and then I create something based on the location. I did a short called Watcher and it's about an older woman in her house and then there's a intruder and it's like a cat and mouse thing. It's because I have my mom's house and uh, she said I could shoot there. She didn't uh, ask me for a location fee. And so I, but I wrote that based on, you know, I have this house, who who could live in this house? And I thought like an, an older woman could live in this house. Um, and so I, so that I just was like, I wrote it in an hour or something because I knew I was going to shoot it in a month or a few weeks. And uh, I did a short called Jenny and that was in the quarantine and I knew I had to do it in the apartment. It was a for Roger Corman um, like challenge. And I was in the apartment with the people I was quarantining with, which was me and my husband, uh, with the lights you have, with your cell phone. So I've kind of, when I have parameters, I feel like my brain can... Um, go to town, I guess. Uh, and a lot of the parameters I've had have been location-based. No overnight parking was different because um, I need, I don't have a parking garage. And I have looked at every single parking garage in this city after I lost the first parking garage. Um, but once again, like I knew, I knew there was something in a horror movie that took place basically entirely in a parking garage. So that got my brain spinning. So if I'm shooting something, I try to be pretty practical about it. And like with the voiceless, it's that Tasha Halevi uh, talked to a bunch of female horror writers on a, on a Friday and said, get, get me an idea by a Sunday, um, by this Sunday. And we're going to shoot it in three weeks. And like, so do it. And, you know, the idea of how, how Roe v. Wade being overturned made me feel was that uh, my voice didn't matter, that I was silenced, and that women's voices in general don't matter. And so, you know, my interpretation is 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 straightforward and horrific. And it was basically how I felt the experience was, you know, getting waking up that morning, getting all the text messages from people saying that this thing had been overturned, and the the despair uh, of um, of what that means is that women's voices don't don't matter, and and same thing is like, I knew we had no budget and I once again shot at my mother's house, um, and, and wrote that based on that. Cause I had, I try to think like, what, what can I shoot with no money? <laughs> so like that element of that, you know, what could we do with the, the budget that they have at Apple per se, but it's a very, it's a very, it's a very different. And I do have, I have a rom-com writing partner uh genre genre switch i have a rom-com writing partner and 
uh, we've optioned a script and been paired to, we had to write a script with Fort Leaf Productions and we turned in our latest draft the Monday before the <laughs> writer's strike. Um, and that is a different thing because that's a big budget family wedding comedy. And like that is, um, that it was Colleen Marshall, the producer's idea. And we kind of um, made it our own because her parents had a double wedding. Um, her mom and her aunt had a double wedding. And so we, we went with that. And, um, and that is a different thing because I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking about the budget basically at all. Um, <laughs> or all the locations. Yeah. Just... yeah. It's like, or directing it or just, or how many people are in the, ca uh, in the cast. And for the other stuff, it's like how min minimize, minimize, minimize. Um, how can I tell an insular story? This is how can I tell a fun, boisterous uh, story full of life and not think about it. I mean, it's not in space or anything. <laughs> no dinosaurs, right? <laughs> No, no, although um are you getting an explosion palm springs has a duh. no we don't have an explosion but we do have uh like an we have an earthquake we do have an earthquake there but that's go. cheaper that's cheaper to film and just do cheaper, cheaper than flames <laughs> yeah alone together is another one of your incredible shorts can you can tell by watching it you had a really great connection with your lead actress and I'm curious is that come from that improv background like understanding the actor it's like it it was just so visible that you all had a really great rapport and working relationship and I would love to hear both that experience but also any advice you have from the director's POV for actors of how to find that beginning stages of like a working relationship and communication when working on be it a short or, or a network tv yes so um i'm that's so nice of you to say about that because uh that about the relationship so alicia gaddis is my rom-com writing partner so that's she's the lead in that and she wrote it okay. um we didn't realize that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um we have been friends since we were about 25 or 26 i'm 40 now and maybe it was 24 or something like that so and we actually did improv together that's our background is we performed comedy together we were in this wonderful beautiful uh improv group called um proletariat uh proletarian even though it's actually supposed to be proletariat uh proletarian improv trip uh and we was like every Wednesday we had these like epically long rehearsals and it was like this family but like Alicia and I have been um, just dear, dear, dear friends through thick and thin. Um, and you know, she came to me in November of 2020. I mean, I remember, I don't know that. I don't know what, 2021. And was like, I, she was in Indiana. We wrote an entire movie uh, on FaceTime uh, during the pandemic. And um, she was like, I'm in Indiana. And I want to write this story about, about relationships that just don't like basically falling out of love with someone. And she's not in that relation in, in she's has a very happy marriage, but it's kind of, she was influenced by a lot of her friends, um, marriages falling apart. And so we, we, she wrote drafts of script. We were, we worked on it. Like we, because our background is that we work on scripts together you know I gave notes and we talked back and forth and um and actually so I didn't go to 
Columbus, Indiana to shoot it. It's shot on location. I was on this couch and I FaceTimed and Zoom directed her. So it was like pretty crazy. Someone's like, we had no cat. We had like no budget. We had two people on the crew. Someone, when it premiered at the Pasadena Film Festival, I guess someone went up to Alicia and was like, we were talking about budgets for all the shorts. Like we thought maybe yours was like 25 to 40,000. We're like, um, it was $200. It was like no money because in Columbus, Indiana, they're like, do you want to use our our bar do you want to use our here go uh very different than like sherman oaks yeah (laughs) very very different when i'm talking to parking garages and they're like twenty thousand dollars for one day and i was like this is and five million dollars worth of insurance in case anything happens no there's no insurance there's no they're just like great uh there's a parade that happens i mean that was that's just because the parade was happening um so with that religious performed a lot of comedy so uh, you know, in the there's that scene at the end where she's very, you know, having this emotional outburst and kind of being able to, uh, you know, root her in the in the circumstances of you know, you are getting divorced, you don't want to be in your marriage anymore, and so that was kind of an intense, you know, a pretty intense um, uh, time working with her. But I think for us, it was it was a really fun, really kooky way to do it one person's job was to carry me around um via an ipad and so i could direct via um like someone had a it was a a cable and that went into um a computer and so i could see what the camera was doing and then i was on facetime um i know it's totally wackadoo and it worked i mean there were a couple things that i couldn't see or be there like there's a car scene at the end and I couldn't we couldn't do that um our DP Carson Sargent had is just he's a photographer but he has a wonderful eye and he had never shot anything he didn't doesn't know how um film cameras uh work and he did a great job and really has like he he set up some really cool shots and uh yeah I mean we made it happen. Lucky and Alicia, her her husband Lucky, um, they have a children's band and they've won m- multiple Latin Grammys and they were nominated for Grammy this year. And they, uh, uh, Lucky Diaz um, and uh, the Lucky Lucky Band, and so they Lucky did the score and did the song at the end. And so once again, it's all for indie filmmakers. It's just like utilize the people in your orbit who are talented and know more than you do and also you know ask questions and don't be afraid to say you don't know things um and and for me really it's just that I I do have a big network of people I'm also from Los Angeles so I've I've been around here a long time and somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who can help you and that's kind of what um you know even in Indiana it I have, my mind is just on fire thinking about directing via FaceTime. I mean, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous to you. That is ridiculous. Like on the break, I was like, I'm going to watch Law and Order SVU while they're at lunch break. (laughs) I mean, but like the story that that makes for, for like five, 10, 20 years is like impeccable. Yeah. Um, It's very cool to, to have, 
premiered last week and for Alicia to get nominated for Best Actress. Like, that was so exciting for her. It's her first short, and I got nominated for Best Director, and it's the first thing that I've directed that I haven't written, uh, and it's my first drama. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been all the experiences. Every project I've done is is a learning experience. Yeah. Totally imperfect, each one, but it's all been really great learning experience to direct the features that I want to direct in the future. I, I'm personally so excited for the feature of No Overnight Parking. So excited for that. Um, Meg, I can't believe an hour has already gone by. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. Blown by. We ask everyone the same last question to wrap out our show. What is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Um, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, um, just believe in yourself more. Don't beat yourself up so much. It has been such a joy to talk to you. Thank you for sharing so much of your insight and community and encouragement. And just, I know it's going to help so many people. So thank you so much for making the time. A lot of people have helped me. So I hope I can help someone else. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening and being the absolute best part of our creative community. Thank you to my fabulous guests today. If you'd like to learn more about them, please check them out in the show notes. And please join us on Instagram and TikTok at What's My Frame. I'm Laura Linda Bradley. Thanks for listening.